from time to time, or well, for some time, our, our family has been reading uh, The Hobbit together. I've been reading The Hobbit uh, for us on, on a regular basis, the, the prelude to The Lord of the Rings. And our children would tell you our reading is somewhat uh, sporadic, to say the least. Uh, we, were, we were working on the Chronicles of Narnia for several years, um, and, and had only made two or three books. And finally I said, oh, just read it yourself. You'll be done in a week. Uh, but, but we're trying to ma- actually make it through The Hobbit as, uh, as a family. And The Hobbit is this, this book about a quest. Bilbo Baggins and uh, the dwarves and Gandalf are off looking for this treasure of the dwarves. And we all love uh, books about a quest. Uh, we love watching uh, movies about quests, national treasure, things like that. We like these movies where people are looking for something and if they find it, everything's going to be okay and everything's going to be right. They're going to find that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that'll solve everyone's problems. They'll live happily ever ever after. Uh, This morning we're going to talk about a quest, but it's a quest that everyone in here uh, is on in, in some way or another. It's a quest for a covering. A quest uh, for righteousness. A quest that actually has to end if you're ever going to find happiness. A quest that has to end if you're ever going to know peace with God. A quest that has to end if you're ever going to actually live to please God. And so what we're going to be saying this morning is that you've got to give up on your quest for righteousness in order to please God. That sounds kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? Well, let's, let's look at the text and see what it has to say. This is God's Word, Galatians 2, uh, starting in verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let me pray for us. God, this is your word, and I pray that you would open it to us, that you would give us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts uh, to believe this righteousness that is found uh, in Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, for my, for my people who like an outline, uh, three, three points. The quest, the end of the quest, and a new beginning. The quest, the end of the quest, and a new beginning. We're in this um, letter to the Galatians by the Apostle Paul. It was written by Paul to members of this church he had planted to warn them about false teachers who were coming in among them. The false teachers were saying that the way somebody is right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ 
plus your obedience, plus doing the works of the law. Paul said the way that you're right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ, plus nothing, that's it. Verse 16, look at verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something here. In this situation, both Paul and the false teachers are after the exact same thing. Uh, They both want to be justified. They both want to be right with God. They want the same thing. They want to be counted righteous. That's the idea behind to justify. It's to be counted righteous or to be declared righteous. uh, to, To be treated as righteous. What does that mean? Uh, the English word, when we hear the English word righteous, we think of somebody being good. But in, in, in the Bible, the idea is actually more along the lines of to be in right relationship with. Uh, to be accepted by someone because I've acted appropriately. In other words, the court, the, the court could declare me to be in right relationship with the court if I was found to have kept the law. I could be declared righteous, in right relationship, in right standing with the court. Uh, if, if I uh, pay my cell phone bill on time every month, then in the eyes of AT&T, I'm righteous. I'm in right standing with them. If I quit paying it, uh, I'm guilty. I'm not righteous. I'm not acceptable. And they'll send me nasty text messages until I uh, pay for my phone service. Uh, but that's the idea of righteousness. And here's the thing, we are all searching for some type of righteousness. We're all looking for some way to make ourselves acceptable. Uh, Woody Allen, this is true whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, uh, Woody Allen was interviewed once and he said that he never goes to watch his own movies. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. He never goes to watch his own movies. And he said, if they come on television... He'll either turn the sound off and watch it for maybe a minute, or he'll just completely change the channel. Because he can't stand to watch his own movies. Because when he sees his movies, he sees all the imperfections. And he sees everything that he's done wrong and should have done differently. That's all he can see while he's watching these movies. To watch the movies rips holes in the righteousness he's created for himself. I'm an acceptable person because why? Because I make good movies. But then I look at the movies, wow, they're not as good as I thought. And maybe I'm not as righteous or as acceptable as I thought I was. Uh, This is something that we all deal with. It has its roots uh, in the fall, in Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam and Eve, in the the first chapters of Genesis, uh, they rebel against God. They try to to run the show. They disobey God. Uh, And as soon as they do that... They lose something. They lose righteousness. They realize this. Listen to Genesis 3 verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They knew that something had changed. They knew that they were now somehow not acceptable. That something was wrong. And so, immediately they go to make coverings for themselves. And you know, we've been doing this ever since. Uh, finding ways to cover ourselves. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, the covering I wanted was to be uh, athletic and, and funny and well-dressed and to have a beautiful girlfriend. 
And none of that really worked out, except for the beautiful girl part. Um, God threw me a bone on that one. But, but all that is, is trying to create a covering for yourself. It's trying to create a righteousness for yourself so that you'll uh, feel better about who you are, so that you can accept yourself, and so that other people will accept you as well. It's one of the reasons some of us freak out at the thought of having other people in our homes. Uh, it's why we obsess about getting the house spotless before people come over. Uh, it's why uh, some of us want to make our parents proud. Uh, it's why some of us feel compelled to prove our parents wrong. Uh, it's why some of us feel uh, compelled to cover our imperfections. It's why some of us feel compelled to point out our imperfections and everything wrong with us and, and wrong with our house. It, it's a way of dealing with the fact that we know our righteousness is damaged. It's why we want somebody beautiful to say that we're beautiful. It's why we want somebody attractive to say that they are attracted to us. And I could probably go on for the rest of the sermon coming up with these and we just kind of sink lower into our, into our seats. But, but back to the text. Um, our, our quest for this righteousness, this covering, this acceptability uh, is also the reason that many of us work so hard at being religious, at being obedient, at being good. It's not, the text is not in your bulletin, but if you remember last week, the text right before this in Galatians, uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, knows that the way you're made right with God is not through faith in Jesus plus, it's just through faith in Jesus. And because he knows this, he's willing to go and to eat with Gentiles whom the Jews had always separated themselves from, who they had always regarded as sinners because they didn't do the, the, the ceremonial laws. Uh, they didn't do the clean laws. And so they were these uh, unclean Gentile sinners. And so they would always separate themselves from them. But Peter realized, well, wait a minute. If you're accepted by God based on your faith in Jesus plus nothing, then I've got to treat the Gentiles differently so I can now eat with them because they're accepted based on their faith in Je Jesus plus nothing as well. And so he's hanging out, eating with the Gentiles. Well, these guys from Jerusalem come down, who are part of the circumcision party, part of the group that was saying, no, you need to believe in Jesus, plus you still need to keep all these Old Testament regulations. And when they showed up, Peter backed away from the Gentiles. Well, what had happened with Peter? Peter had forgotten the gospel. He'd forgotten where his righteousness came from. He wanted to be acceptable to these guys who had shown up. He wanted to be seen as the same old Peter who always did everything right in their eyes. He wanted to be a, a good Jew. He went back to his covering. He went back to his old righteousness, to being good. See, for many of us, being good, being religious, going to church, being socially aware... It's just a way of constructing righteousness. It's just a way of, of putting fig leaves on to cover ourselves, to conceal our shame. Uh, it's the way many of us approach the Christian life. Uh, I, I walked the aisle, I said the prayer, and now I just need power from Jesus to be good. One, one guy put it this way, he said, that's just a slightly more spiritual version of coming under the law. Uh, it's almost like trusting in Jesus is just this decision I made, this box I checked. And now what really makes me acceptable is how, how hard I work at being a Christian. 
I'm still trying to make a covering for myself. It's not about Jesus. It's about me. It's why we don't confess our sins to each other. Because that would chip away at the covering we make for ourselves. It's one of the reasons we always say, I'm fine. Uh, when people ask how we're doing. How are you doing? I'm fine. How's everything? I'm fine. Can, you pr- can I pray for you? No, everything's fine. Um, do this sometime. When somebody asks you that, say, not that good. Not, things aren't going that well. And that kind of freaks people out because you mess up the game then because we're all supposed to say I'm fine and suddenly you've acknowledged you're not fine and people get very uncomfortable with that. Does that mean I have to say I'm not fine or I have to quit playing the game? We don't know what to do with that. See, we're all on this quest for righteousness. We're all on this quest for a covering. And the way the Judaizers tried to find it and the way Peter at this moment was trying to find it and the way we often try to find it is in religion and being good and being moral and doing the right thing. And Paul says your covering, your righteousness comes from Jesus and not from your obedience. Your covering comes from Jesus and not from your obedience. Now does that make anybody uncomfortable? Um, that, that, that tends to make people uncomfortable because they say if you go around telling people that then before you know it your whole congregation is going to be at the new way for the whole week doing shots every night because hey it's from Jesus Uh, it's not from what I do I can do whatever I want to do so let's just go party and 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 get crazy and, and sin all we want to if you go around saying that that's what's going to happen well look at how Paul responds to that verse 17 But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, Paul put his faith in Jesus and gave up on creating his own righteousness through obedience um, as a way to be acceptable to God. He abandoned his faith in the law. He abandoned his faith in his own law keeping. And he admitted that he was just like those Gentiles. With all his religious trappings, he was just like the Gentiles. He was a sinner just like they were. Does that mean then that Jesus is promoting sin? Does that mean then that this teaching of justification by faith, not by works, is promoting sin? Paul says no. Certainly not. Absolutely not. It doesn't promote sin. In fact, it does the exact opposite because it ends your quest for righteousness. That's our second point, the end of the quest. Look at verse 18. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Uh, Paul says, here's what would actually promote sin. It would, for me to, it would be for me to rebuild this structure of justification by works that I've been tearing down. If I build that back up then all, and, and submit myself to that, all that's going to do is to really show that I'm a sinner. Because it's going to show over and over again that I don't keep that law, that I don't do those things. And it's going to simply trap me there with no means of escape. Uh, and then he says... Now here's why. Here's why this teaching, justification by faith, doesn't promote sin. It doesn't promote sin because it actually rips sin up by its roots. Look at verse 19. 
For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Now you have to remember how Paul as a Pharisee viewed the law. He viewed the law as a way to establish his own righteousness, his own uh, acceptability. If I keep the law, God accepts me, other people accept me, I feel good about me. Alright, but then what happens in Paul's life? If you've got a Bible, uh, Romans chapter 7 Verse 7. What then shall we say that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would not have known what it is to covet. If the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. Paul says, look, I was in the middle of trying to obey the law as a way to make myself acceptable to God. But in the middle of all this, he finally sees how impossible it is to do that. Because in the middle of all this, the commandment, do not covet, finally hit home with him. And it came and it put him to death, he says. In other words, Paul was walking around like, I feel pretty good about myself. I I show up at worship, I keep the commandments, I do what I'm supposed to do. God accepts me because I'm good and because I do the right thing. And then the full brunt of that commandment hit home to him and he saw, I don't keep the law at all. There's there's no way I can keep the law well enough to be acceptable to God. And in that moment, Paul died. That Paul died. He realized, I don't do this and I can't do this. He had run into this humongous roadblock in his quest to create his own righteousness. He couldn't do it. There was no way he could do it. Uh, He said, there's no way for me to get a covering here. It's not happening. And so his quest ended. His quest to create his own righteousness ended at do not covet. Has your quest ended? Has your quest to create your own righteousness ended? Has it ended for you? Have you seen that there's no way uh, that you can obey the law of God well enough to make yourself acceptable to Him? There's no way you can create your own righteousness because the reality is is that you're not a law keeper, you're a law breaker. Uh, That's one of the reasons the catechism goes through, I think, the, the Ten Commandments in such detail, it does give us a guide for life and it shows us how we're supposed to live and we need that. But it also at the same time is showing us how poorly we do at actually keeping the commandments. And if you think the shorter catechism is hardcore, um, go find this thing called the larger catechism sometime. And it just, you will be, that will bring you to the end of yourself. Because you will see how fall, far short you fall of keeping God command, God's commandments. Um, until you're broken by the law, your quest 
to create your own righteousness is never going to end. And you're going to be constantly saying, I, I can do this. I can make myself better. I can improve. Has your quest ended? Has your quest to create your own righteousness ended? For many of us, it has to die a very slow, painful death, doesn't it? Uh, Jean LaRue tells the story of... <clears throat> he's, he'd been preaching on grace for some time, and some people in his congregation were kind of getting fed up with the same thing. They felt like over and over again... And he was saying the whole Bible is about grace from the beginning to end. And somebody came up to him and said, look, the whole thing's not about grace. We have, to, we have to do something too. It says here, Jesus says here, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's not about grace. That's about what we do. And so he said to the man, he said, okay, here's, I'll make you a deal. Take a notebook and I want you to take it home with you. And every time for the rest of this week, you break one of God's commandments in thought or in word or in deed I want you to write it down in a notebook I want you to do that for the whole week and then come back next week and we'll talk about it and so the next week the guy then come up to him and so he goes looking for him and he finds him and he says how'd it go and the guy just kind of hung his head and he said I didn't even make it out of the sanctuary last week before I'd broken one of the commandments it is very hard for us to give up on our quest to establish our own righteousness. It's incredibly hard to come to an end to ourselves. Has the quest ended for you? Has the quest ended for you? <clears throat> now, if the story ended there, if I just said, let's go home now, um, that would be pretty depressing, wouldn't it? Because we're just kind of, okay, well, I'm not righteous. It kind of stinks to be me. Um, there's no righteousness to be found. Not even in religion. There's nothing I can do. Where, where am I going to find righteousness? Here's the thing. I think there's something more involved in Paul's statement in verse 19 than just saying, the law killed me and ended my quest for righteousness. Now, there's something more being said here. Because even if he realizes, even if you realize, okay, I, I'm not righteous, I can't create a covering for myself by keeping the law. The law is still grinding your face into the dirt. It still has power over you. You're still under the power of the law at that point. Why? Because it's still condemning you. You're still under the condemnation of the law for not keeping the law. You know, you, you thought you, needed to, you had something that needed covering up before. Um, let the law really get a hold of you. Let's, let your sin bow up uh, under, or bow up at the law. Let the true depth of your unacceptability be revealed. I mean, it's like, uh, what's his name, Juan Pablo Montoya crashing his car into the, the kerosene truck at the NASCAR race last week. I mean, that will just absolutely blow up on you. It crushes you. And what are you going to do then? Crushed by the law. Crushed by your own sin. By your own unrighteousness. Here's why Paul, I think Paul's saying something more uh, than just, I was crushed by the law and I died to my own righteousness. Look at verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul says, I had to die. Not just to my own righteousness, but I had to endure the punishment that the law demands because I am not righteous. And that's the only way I was ever going to get out from under the condemnation of the law. You know, think if you, if you commit some crime and there's a fine involved, you're under the condemnation of that until you actually pay the fine. Once you pay the fine, you're no longer condemned by the law because you've taken care of what the law required. Uh, Paul says, my relationship with the law as a way to make myself acceptable to God ended, but it actually ended at the cross. It ended at the cross. When Jesus was crucified, he came under the condemnation of the law. He took the punishment that the law required for me in my place. And it's like I was right there with him when it happened. I imagine somebody going to the electric chair and being electrocuted and you're connected to them by this long wire so that when they're electrocuted, you're electrocuted. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, then when he went to the cross and died, it was like you died. When he took the condemnation of the law, it was as if you took the condemnation of the law. It, when it fell on him, it fell on you as well. And so now by virtue of his death, you're no longer condemned. Do you see that? By virtue of his death, you're no longer condemned. The law can't condemn you anymore. The law can't have power over you anymore because Jesus was crucified for you. You were crucified with him. The condemnation has been done away with. The price that had to be paid has been paid. And so, if you're looking to Jesus for your covering... If you're looking to Jesus for your right standing with God, then when Jesus died, you died. And the law's been satisfied. And when Jesus rose from the dead, you've risen to a new life. You're resurrected with Him. You've been jerked into this new reality, this new glorious reality where there's no more condemnation. You're not under the condemnation of the law anymore. You, you don't have to create a righteousness for yourself. You don't have to create a acceptability for yourself. Your acceptability, your righteousness, your covering is in Jesus. You're indwelt by Jesus, Paul says. Your quest for righteousness has ended. But it hasn't ended in a dead end. It's ended in Jesus. You died with Christ. You've been resurrected with Christ. And now you live with Christ. Verse 20 again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, the old Paul, and, and you can see this imagery in Romans 7, the old Paul who was married to the law in an attempt to create a covering for himself, in an attempt to create uh, fruit that was pleasing to God, he's gone. It's like he's dead. And there's a new Paul in his place. There's a new Paul who's married to Christ, who is indwelt 
by Christ. And now, and only now, can he actually begin to live to God. To live in a way that pleases him. Paul says it was only after he died to the law that he was actually able to live to please God. Look back at verse 19. It's what verse 19 says. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I had to die to the law in order that I might live to God. It was only after he found his righteousness in Jesus and not in his own obedience that he actually began to live in a way that pleased God. See, the reality is is that when Paul was trying to save himself by creating his own righteousness, his own obedience, when he was trying to create a covering for himself by being good, it wasn't for God, it was for Paul. Do you see that? When he was trying to, to, to live this obedient life to cover himself, to make himself acceptable, he wasn't living to please God. He wasn't doing that for God. He was doing that for Paul. He was doing that for himself. If you're trying to make yourself acceptable to God and acceptable to other people, you're not doing that for God. You're doing that for you. You're serving you. Uh, Tim Keller had this great illustration of this. He says, if you're living with your rich aunt um, and she has no children and she's got all these nieces and nephews and you're the one living with her uh, and she's getting close to death and you're taking care of her and you're doing everything for her. Well, are you doing that for her because you love her? Are you doing that because, hey, I might get the inheritance here? There's no way to, for her to really know, is there? Whether you're doing it for her or, for, or if you're doing it simply to get the inheritance. The only way she's going to know is if she says, I want you to know that I've changed the will and you're getting everything no matter what. You're getting everything no matter, I can't change it back. I sent it away. You're getting it all. See, it's only... When you realize you're in. It's only when you realize you are acceptable. You are justified. It's only when you quit working to make yourself righteous that you actually quit working for yourself. And simply serve God because He loves you. And He loved you in Christ. See, justification by faith doesn't promote sin. Uh, It doesn't cause you to live a self-centered life instead of a God-centered life. It's actually the only thing that is able to free you from yourself and enable you to love and serve God. Out of gratitude, out of thanks, not out of trying to create a covering for you. Uh, So, last thing here. What does this new life look like then? Uh, Paul says... The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It looks like living by faith in Jesus. Living by faith in Jesus. Finding my covering, finding my righteousness in him and not in what I do. Finding it in him, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. I find it in him, and then I get up in the morning, 
and I do the same thing all over again. I have to remind myself, self, put your, put your faith in Jesus. Find your righteousness in Jesus. Find your covering in Jesus. And it looks like me not uh, sitting passively. It doesn't mean that you just don't do anything. It's not you sitting passively. But it's you actually now staring down opportunities to disobey God. Uh, not because I'm trying to manufacture my own righteousness, but staring down opportunities to sin because that forbidden pleasure doesn't love you and would never give itself for you as Jesus has. Uh, you know, when these temptations come at us, part of us is saying, put your faith there. Find your covering there. Feel better about yourself there. Put your shame there. And then we have to say, soul, you're a new man. You're a new woman in Christ. Put your faith in Jesus who loves you and gave himself for you. Who is your covering. Who dwells within you. Put your faith in Him, in Christ. Uh, and if we fail, as we often do, and we put our faith in something else, then we, we do hang our heads, and we do mourn our sin, and we do repent, and then we rejoice in the grace of God. We rejoice that Jesus, as Paul says here, didn't die for no reason. He died because He loves you. He died to provide you a covering. Uh, he died to make you acceptable to the Father. And you are because of Him. Find your life in Him. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, would you uh, help us in this? It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, we do want to hold on to our own righteousness and our own obedience, our own coverings that we've so uh, carefully crafted for ourselves. Help us to live by faith in the covering that Jesus has provided through his death on our behalf. Help us to put our faith in the righteousness of Jesus. Help us to put our faith in the one who loves us and indeed did give himself for us. We pray it in his name. Amen.